This is a special edition of the Free to Be Free podcast because it's September 17th, Constitution Day, the day that we celebrate the signing of the Constitution. But today, I want to focus on one of the participants in the convention who refused to sign, Colonel George Mason. This is the Free to Be Free podcast, encouraging you to assert your liberty because you are free to be free. Now, it may seem strange that someone as important to the drafting of the Constitution as Colonel Mason would refuse to sign the document. And we'll get into his reasons for refusing to sign in a moment, but those of us in the Convention of States Project know Colonel Mason as the father of Article 5. It was recorded in James Madison's notes from the Convention in his entry for September 15th, two days before the convention closed, that Colonel Mason, and I quote here, thought the plan of amending the Constitution exceptionable and dangerous, as the proposing of amendments is in both the modes to depend, in the first immediately, in the second ultimately, on Congress. No amendments of the proper kind would ever be obtained by the people if the government should become oppressive, as he verily believed would be the case. As Madison notes, Mason recognized that the way that Article 5 was drafted at the time, Congress had a say whether the amendments came from Congress or from the states. As a result, Gouverneur Morris and Elbridge Gerry moved to amend that the article require a convention on applications of two-thirds of the states. And Madison notes that the motion carried NEMCON, which means no discussion. It was obvious to everyone that that needed to be included. One other fact about Mason that I find interesting is his influence in the writing of the Declaration of Independence. These words might be familiar to you. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal and that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. These words penned by Thomas Jefferson in the Declaration of Independence. And a source for these ideas was actually the Virginia Declaration of Rights authored by Colonel George Mason. Section 1 of the Virginia Declaration of Rights reads, that all men are by nature equally free and independent and have certain inherent rights of which that when they enter into a state of society, they cannot by any compact deprive or divest their posterity, namely the enjoyment of life and liberty with the means of acquiring and possessing property and pursuing and obtaining happiness and safety. I think it's easy to see how Mason's words in the Virginia Declaration of Rights had a lot to do with the words that Jefferson used in drafting the Declaration of Independence. So let's get on to this issue of Colonel Mason refusing to sign the Constitution 
after spending his time at the convention contributing so greatly to its authorship. What he did instead was took a copy of the Constitution and on the back recorded his objections. Now, these objections are recorded. In fact, I'm going to include in the show notes a link so that you can see exactly what he wrote as objections to the Constitution. But I'm just going to pull some pieces out, and it really illustrates Colonel Mason's influence on things such as the Bill of Rights. So one of the first things he noted is there and I'm quoting here, there is no declaration of rights and the laws of the general government being paramount to the laws and constitutions of the several states, the declaration of rights in the separate states are no security. So his complaint was obviously no declaration of rights, and this makes sense being he was the author of the Virginia Declaration of Rights, but he correctly noted that because of the supremacy clause that the state's Bill of Rights or Declarations of Rights were not secure uh, because federal laws could override those. So I would argue, as one of the leading anti-federalists, Colonel Mason is a big reason that we have a declaration or a Bill of Rights in our Constitution today. He also noted, and I quote, There is no declaration of any kind for preserving the liberty of the press or the trial by jury in civil causes. These words should sound pretty familiar to you. Our freedom of the press, our right to trial by jury, these are integral parts of our Bill of Rights. Another concern that Mason noted was, and I quote, In the House of Representatives there is not the substance but the shadow of representation. And what he was talking about here is he felt there was not enough protection for the number of people that a single congressman would represent. And as a result, in the first package of amendments passed by Congress, which evolved into the Bill of Rights, had as the first article an amendment that would essentially ensure that each congressman represented no more than 50,000 citizens. Now, currently, each congressman represents roughly three-quarters of a million Americans. And had this first article uh, that had been proposed been ratified, today we would have approximately 5,000 members of Congress rather than the 435 that we have today. And that would be one representative per every 50,000 people. Now, this may seem like a a far-fetched idea, uh, but if you think about it, that is roughly the same number of state representatives that we have today, around 5,000. So a way to think about it is your congressman would be every bit as accessible to you as your state representative had that amendment been ratified. Now, do you think that's a bad thing? Think about how accessible is your congressman, your federal congressman to you today, relative to how accessible your state representative is. And this is what uh, Mason was talking about when he talked about the shadow of representation and not the substance of it. Now, this is a bit of a bunny trail here, but there is an argument today that that first article of those first 12 
that amendment proposals that came out of the first Congress, that that first one was actually ratified. I, I believe it would have been Kentucky, which would have been the final state that ratified it, but it just wasn't properly recorded and that it should be in effect today. There is actually a court case in the uh, D.C. Circuit that alleges this exact same thing. This is a bunny trail here, so I'm not going to go into a lot more detail in it, but I will post an article in the show notes if you're interested in learning a little bit more about this. Now back to the objections that Colonel Mason noted on the back of his copy of the Constitution. Another was, and I quote, the judiciary of the United States is so constructed and extended as to absorb and destroy the judiciaries of the several states. And this came up early in our republic where there was a conflict with the Supreme Court uh, ruling in a case that uh, involved one of the states as a plaintiff. And uh, the early Congress acted quickly and implemented the 11th Amendment, which uh, directly addressed this concern that Colonel Mason had predicted. It's also very interesting to note uh, Colonel Mason's take on the office of vice president. And let me quote him. Uh, He called that office an unnecessary officer, the vice president, who for want of other employment is made president of the Senate, thereby dangerously blending the executive and legislative powers, besides always giving to some one of the states an unnecessary and unjust preeminence over the others. Now, this is interesting because Mason was basically arguing that since the vice president serves as presiding officer of the, the Senate and more specifically breaks any ties when the, the states vote, his argument was that one state, whichever state the vice president came from, actually had three representatives in the Senate. Uh, it, it was a, a pretty visionary thing that he noticed it. I would say the one thing he got wrong is that the vice president serving as president of the Senate does not give an advantage to the vice president's state, but in practice it gives advantage to the vice president's party. Uh, Mason's uh, objections here were written before the problem of faction or parties surfaced in our republic. And I've got one more example from the back of Colonel Mason's copy of the Constitution. And I quote, Under their own construction of the general clause, at the end of the enumerated powers, the Congress may grant monopolies in trade and commerce, constitute new crimes, inflict unusual and severe punishments, and extend their own powers as far as they shall think proper. Now, I find that Uh, a very interesting observation. What he's referring to is the general welfare clause. Mason correctly predicted that in the future, and with the help of the Supreme Court, the general welfare clause was expanded to give the federal government powers it was never intended to have. It expanded the enumerated powers into the unbridled powers that the federal government expresses today. So many of Colonel Mason's objections have already been addressed in terms of constitutional amendments, but there are some, such as the General Welfare Clause that I just spoke of, that is just begging to be corrected, and we can do that through a convention of the states. So on this day, September 17th, Constitution Day, 
I would like to recognize the visionary Colonel George Mason, the father of Article 5, the author of the Virginia Bill of Rights as an inspiration for the Declaration of Independence, and the founder who refused to sign and became a leading anti-federalist. It's because of his objections that we have a Bill of Rights, a freedom of speech, a freedom of the press, guarantee of trial by jury, and many others. So let's carry on his work and honor his legacy by holding the first ever Article 5 Convention of the States. This is the Free to be Free Podcast. I'm Paul Phillips. The opinions expressed are my own. You can learn more about the Convention of States project at conventionofstates.com. You can also find the Convention of States project on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. The first thing that you'll want to do at conventionofstates.com is to learn the issue for yourself. Then you'll want to sign the petition to let your state legislators know that you are ready to assert your liberty through an Article 5 Convention of the States. Until next time, stay free, my friends.